to another episode of Salvation Solutions. I am Aviance. I am Aramis. And I am Pastor D. So today we are going to talk about the church and reparations. So in the book, we actually highlight that. We um, dedicate a section of that for the white church and for the black church. So we're going to start with that and then we're going to go into our subject for the day. So Papa D. Yes. I'm not calling you Demir's no more. I ain't got no problem with it, baby. I love it. I love it. (laughs) So Papa D, so why don't you uh, take us into the the, um, part in the book where you dedicate Mm -hmm. with the black church and white church? Okay, so um, the the last chapter in the book, uh, which is a quick read, you know, I think we're talking about 170 some pages, but um, we dedicate that section to, you know, what the role of the perspective churches are, you know, we divide the church for the sake of clarity. I know there's no division, you know, um, theoretically, but uh, the church is separated in black church and white church, right? You know, now actually it's even more than that. Now, now you got your Hispanic church and you right. got your Korean church. So, um, but you know, when it comes down to race, you're talking about black and white. And so I speak to what the role of, you know, the black church has been historically what it, it should be now and then what the role of the white church is. And, and, and again, it's a generalization of, you know, how we should function. Uh, but I think it's very important that we recognize, you know, what our function, what our role is and what we're called to do as it pertains to the injustice that's been levied against black America. And, you know, the book Reparations Now is something that we're excited about. Um, I, I probably was a little overexcited and, you know, was hoping that you could uh, bypass some of the processes and procedures that normally go into, um, you know, releasing the book, but I was wrong, you know, and my, my publishers and my writing coach finally got the nerve up to tell me, well, Demers, you know, your, your uh, release date was a little, you know, beyond what, what was possible, you know, okay. so, so um, but now we actually put our order in for our first promotional copies. Um, our first um, 500 copies went in last week. I uh, was hoping they arrived Friday, but they'll probably arrive on Monday. Didn't that number um, go up again? Yes, it went out. It did. It went out. Didn't well, I say? I but, thought 300. But, but it had to go up because of the, <laughs> the numbers. The numbers make it go up, right? They get The more you buy, the cheaper they become, you know? So, okay. And then also, we're getting more uh, interest from people that we send emails out to that we want to get feedback from, you know? So when you're introducing a subject matter and when you're a relatively unknown author, then you got to go through certain, the processes are a little longer. You know, you want to get, um, you want to get some uh, endorsements from people who, you know, people recognize in the community. So, you know, we got to go through that process. And, you know, I was just so excited that God had given us this and we want to do something. So I was like, man, I want this out, I want this out before December. <laughs> They didn't tell me it wasn't realistic. They didn't tell me that. They just said, okay, they, I'm sure they've been down this road before. So, but yeah, we, we're excited about that. Um, and so we want this to get into the body of Christ's hands. We want this into the church's hands because we really believe the scriptures is, I'm talking about as clear, son, as I've ever seen it before. I'm talking about this clear. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about this clear. Like you got to not want to see it, not to see it. No, this is good. Like you got to not want to see it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like you got to like not want to be a part of repairing black America. Like yeah. you, you got to not want to be it when you really look at all of the types and shadows and figures that's, that's speaking to how the church operates, what God's heart is, what his desire is. You got to like, like you got to not want to see it. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, if you can read this book and walk away and still not feel like you're called to deal with black America, 
Something wrong. Something wrong. Well, I would say this. What your book has done is brought inspiration to me because um, not only do he put scriptures in here, right? But he breaks it down to even the the Hebrew or the Greek as well. So you get like that, you know, that original translation of it. And it inspired me to buy this big, heavy concordance book. Oh, praise God. Praise God. And <laughs> big, heavy. I never, I mean, <laughs> if I lay this thing on my legs for 20 minutes, it's done. You know, like my legs yeah. is done. Like it's heavy. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I just I just love the way <laughs> where there's, there's no way where you can get like your own interpretation from something. Mm-hmm. He lays it so trans- transparent to the bare bones that you can't miss it. Well, well, so that's the, something I love. No, I, I, I love that. That is that is more that is more inspirational and more confirming than anything because here, here's the thought. So discipleship, like salvation is the solution. Like we know that, right? But discipleship is the key to advancing the causes of, a, of the kingdom. It's, it's through discipleship. The, the rudimentary aspect of discipleship is changing the way you think, yep. right? It's changing the way a person thinks. True discipleship, true transformation begins with the renewing of the mind, mm-hmm. right? You can't, I mean, we, you know, that's a buzzword in Christendom now, transformational <laughs> ministry. But, listen, that don't mean transformation. They think transformational ministry is when you come and you run around the church and you yep. fall out under the spirit. That yeah. ain't transformational ministry because you're going to fall out. I ain't, down, I ain't down you've been slain in the spirit. I ain't down that. <laughs> But if your mind didn't get renewed when you was down there, you're going to wake up just the same. You're going to wake up just the same. Yeah. Ain't nothing transformation. Ain't nothing transforming. <laughs> right? The mind, right? So the, the, the word repentance means to return to the original way of thinking. Right. I, know, I know we've talked about it means to think differently, but no, it actually means to return to the original way of thinking. What's the original way of thinking? You have to go back to how God originally thought about things and what God originally thinks about right. things. Well, you can't do that unless you go through the etymology of the words that's being given unto us. The Hebrew language and the Greek language and the Aramaic language, those words, the the origin of those words and what those words originally meant matters more than anything when you talk about changing the way you think, right? So that's why, you know, for me, to forensically attack the word in that fashion is the only way I know. Like, I, I want to know what, what does God, God think right. about this thing, right? And, and when the woman, Sylvia Garcia, asked the question in the most recent, I mean, I'm sorry, in, in last year's uh, uh, hearing or, or judicial hearing of H.R. 40 bill, which is actually coming up again mm-hmm. uh, on the 17th of, 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 is it this month? Or maybe I think it's the 17th of this month. They're having the, another round of hearings for um, H.R. 40. I said, Lord, I want to know what what you think. And I want to be so clear, right? And so the Lord gave us this work and the church has a position and it has a place um, in this fight for justice. Mm -hmm. And I I just want to see the church stand up and take her place. Well, I have a question for you. So since we're talking about the the book and in the back, how it's dedicated to the white church and the black church, there's a call to action for both churches. What would you say is your opinion of the call to action with the white church and with the black church? How do you mean? Explain that a little bit. Like what what do what do you think the, the, the white church should be doing right now? What do you think the black church should be doing right now when it pertains to reparations for black America? 
Let me read this before you answer. Before you answer. Let me give me some framework to this, okay. right? So one of the call to action for the white church that I put in here is this. Just as, or this is what I, this is how I framed the call to action. Just as the white evangelical church has fervently fought for the rights of the unborn, now it is the time, now is the time for them to express your faith and commitment to God's judgment and justice by vehemently fighting for the racial and economic equality of the living black Americans. Right, right. So that that's that's pretty much in line with where I was going. I mm -hmm. mean, ultimately, they need to be doing the same thing. They need to be unified. And and I think the main issue has been the the realistic perception of a black and a white church. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. We all supposed to be one body. Mm -hmm. So if we can get everyone to be focused on that directive of repairing or, or, or rectifying the injustice that's been done. I think it just ultimately across the board, it put, it points everybody in the right direction of, of working the way that the, the, the body was intended to work. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I would think that's, that should be, you know, the main call to action is just for everybody to be working towards that directive. Mm -hmm. um, and, and also realizing that part of the problem has been the division in the churches. I mean, you know, all, all the, you know, denominations and all that kind of stuff. I mean, those, the, it really starts from a human being's interpretation as opposed to getting deep down into the original statements that were made. Mm -hmm. You know, the original commands that were given, the original, um, how, how is it, tran trans translations, right? Not transliterations. Uh, well, you want, you technically you want a transliteration okay, of the Bible. Okay. You don't want a translation. Right. Like some folks like translations, right? right. What they do is, what they do is. <laughs> I feel like his hands went this way for some reason. I don't know what you mean. No, 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 I, no, I saw that. I told you, I did, did, did try. <laughs> A translation to me is like you, like, like, like we going to get a steak. You two Boy, on the plate I left that steak. one up there in Demir's cage. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, Look, a translation to me is we go to a steakhouse, the best steakhouse in town. We order the biggest, juiciest steak they got. Mm -hmm. You take my steak, chew it up, chew all the flavor out, get all the minerals out, get all the vitamins out, and then say, here, now you can have it. No, I, I don't need you to, and tell, I don't need you to think for me. Right. Right. Translations. They actually take the liberty, and they have this right. They take the liberty to think for you. No, I want I want to see it in its original context. I want to see it in its original form, and then I'll uh, let me think it through for myself. Right. You know, and, and again, there's nothing wrong. I use translations. I use uh, you use the well, passion translation. I use the passion. Yes. Uh, the first Bible I read was the NIV. Mm -hmm. I will give you that. <laughs> But after getting a hold of that King James, I ain't never cracked the seal on that. Yeah, you were misled. <laughs> and so, um, but no, but yeah, it's it's you want the transliteration because because I want I want to get it the way God gave it, you know. And in some translations, I help with those. But, but I, I think I think ultimately the the original the original intent and and this this was key. You said this before we started recording. People need to know God for themselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It it shouldn't be something that we go to church. For us to be told that should be a desire inside each and every one of us to to seek that out for ourselves mm -hmm. right and and so the the pursuit of that is what puts us in a position to um 
to understand the difference, mm-hmm. you know, and, mm-hmm. and to and to and to want to rectify that so that we have right understanding, and the right mindset. And that's where I think you begin to to separate people who are, you know, serious about living this out and people who are just there for the show and want to run around and shout. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's I think that's one of the main things that that holds the body of Christ back is we aren't making a concerted effort to to I guess be the circumcision the right way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, I mean, I don't really know how else to explain that. Well, the issue is what you're talking about is the difference between the organism and the organization. Yes. That's what you're talking about. Yes. There's an organism, there's a living, alive, like like spirit filled, like in love with God, like this this moving and yeah. being and having our and breathing, and having our being in God. There's the living organism of the church of the living God. What happened when, when we read what we read about in the scriptures is is more about the organism. Mm-hmm. What we see today in society is the organization. Yeah. Right. And we confuse the organization with the organism. The organism is the church, is that living, vibrant church that's connected with Holy Spirit, that's in tune with who, what God is saying, that doesn't have any biases toward anything pertaining to life. And they just want the heart of God. That's the organism. That's sonship, right? The design, the, the design of, of expansion is through living organisms mm-hmm. of sonship. Mm-hmm. Saint, just look at it from the natural, right? The, 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 the sperm of the man is a living organism, mm-hmm. right? And, and that thing comes alive, once it's incubated and it goes through the incubation incubation process uh, with, 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 a, with a man's wife, that's that's the organism that's alive. The organization has swallowed up from the outside in the organism, right? We have to learn to differentiate between the organism and the organization. The organization, the organization is probably, you know. They say we got, technically, if, if you count how many of these folks that get saved at these evangelistic crusades all over the world, you get more folks on the planet saved than you have on the planet. For real. That's how, that's how silly it is, right? But the organism, we believe, is a lot smaller than that. Like, like everybody who say Jesus is Lord don't believe Jesus is Lord. Everybody who say they saved ain't saved. That's just the bottom line to it, right? We take a man at his confession. Like, you tell me you say, okay, I'm going to love you like you say. I'm going to treat you like you say, right? That's just what it is. I'm not, that's, God knows that. But the point is, the organism is, is at times in our day overshadowed by the organization. What the world looks at is the organization. Yep. Right. But they don't really see the organism. What we're after is the organism. We're after the heart of the organism because the organism is the ones who are after God's heart. Once they see God's heart for black America, once they see God's heart for reparations, then they're going to join forces and we're going to be able to come together and unify and go be able to go and stand in front of the U.S. government and say, listen, we demand that you reparate this because this is this is God's heart. This is God's judgment. This is God's justice. And once we see that, then we'll see. As we put it in our subtitle, healing for black America, the repair of black America will be will be better for all America. When we see healing all America and healing America's racial divide will come through America acknowledging, redressing and repairing black America. But it's going to happen through the organism, not the organization. Right. You got a lot of folks like Jesus said, said, we'll be a lot of folks. Jesus said, there's going to be a lot of folk coming up to me saying, Lord, Lord. Mm-hmm. He was say, listen, away from me. Yeah. You that work with iniquity. I don't, I don't know you. Like, I don't know you. Like, where you come from? <laughs> where, where, where? 
that's the organization. Well, answer answer this, Papa D, because mm-hmm. you know a, a lot of people do feel as as if. The church is not supposed to be in certain parts of society. So can you kind of right. change that mindset for some well, people? Well, 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 salvation is designed to operate. I mean, it operates best. It operates best in the midst of a chaotic society. Like the, the Bible says, what well, God shined his light where? Into darkness. Mm-hmm. Right? The, the, it's, it's like when you take the church outside of a dark world, and it's like taking a fish out of water, right? That's what we're supposed to be. What did Jesus hang out when he came? Mm-hmm. He, hung out, he hung out on the dark side, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> it's what you're supposed to be. It's what we're supposed to be. So we misquote, or we misinterpret, we mistranslate scriptures in our mind, you know, and we, and we, we, we made up a scripture that says, you hear people quote all the time, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. Well, the Bible don't say that. It don't say it like that. Right. It implies that, but the true implication of that is, yes, we are in the world, but we're not to love the world. We're not to be of the world. Right. But that don't mean we stand outside of the world. See, some Christians got in their mind like this world is its own little bubble, and we're supposed to be standing outside that bubble and talking about them and, and telling them what to do, <laughs> telling them how bad they are. No, God wants us right in the heart of that thing. Yep. Mm-hmm. He wants us in the heart of it so that we can change it from the inside out. Right. The organism is designed to be in the heart of the chaos and the confusion and the darkness and the oppression and the evil and establish kingdom justice and establish Jesus justice and establish God's divine will in a particular matter. That's what the church is called to do. Yeah, we're going to get dirty. Yeah, it's not good. Yeah, we're going to get threatened. Yeah, we're going to have to put our lights on the line. Yeah, all that stuff going to come with all that. But that's what God has called us. That's what we're supposed to be. Right. We're supposed to be the leaders, the salt and the light when it comes to establishing justice and judgment and equality in the land. That's what the church is supposed to be. So what what does that what does that look like realistically? Because I I know you um, you've been a a, a lot of places Mm -hmm. um, in in your time as as an athlete, uh, a pro athlete. Um, You know, when you when you. Take take us through year two, year three of you being saved. You know, you you probably still around a lot of people who weren't at that time, but right. you're in a position now where you have a base of you know knowledge and information that that you can you know minister to people at, at some level, right? And, and and that's always the the the. I guess the main responsibility that we have is to be a blessing in any mm-hmm. way that we can, right? Mm-hmm. So, so take us through year two and year three. Well, I'm gonna tell you the first thing that changed changed my I'm to my I'm to my this thing changed my perspective, right? So, I got saved. I got saved. Um, I got saved on the thing it was a, a Wednesday. Believe believe it was a Wednesday, and the next time we showed up to work, I went to the guys who I hung out with. Right. One of those guys, his name, his name is Troy Vincent. He's currently the vice president of the NFL um, organization right now. Right. He's the uh, Players Association. No, right? not the Players Association, the NFL. He's like oh. the vice president. He's, behind, he's second in command behind. Uh, uh, what's the current uh, commissioner's name? Roger Goodell. Uh, yeah. Right. So I went to Troy. Troy. Troy was a saved brother. Troy, Troy had Troy was one of those athletes who like he was vocal about his faith. He had a, he had a, he used to come and me, him and Irvin Fry, who I got saved under Irvin Fry's ministry. He used to Irvin used to have a big old speaker. He had two lockers, right? Because he was a senior receiver. He had two lockers. In one locker, he had all of his clothes and stuff. But in the other locker, he had a big old stereo with big old speaker. He used to blast praise and worship music all the time, <laughs> right? So 
Troy would come over there and turn on because Troy was like an elder statesman for the defense. He would come over there and blast, turn it up too sometime, you know, as we were changing up, you know. So I went to Troy and I told him my experience. I said, Troy, man, you ain't gonna believe what happened, you know, over this past weekend. And he looked at me, he's like, okay. He's like, but listen, I heard this before. This ain't mm -hmm. the first time I heard this. Athletes getting saved, stuff don't go the way they get saved, and you know, it lasts for a short while, but then they go on back to their... Mm. When he said that, I took offense to it. Because mm -hmm. you're challenging me now. Yeah. I said, I'm gonna prove, I'm gonna prove Troy wrong. <laughs> I'm gonna prove him wrong. That's I was interesting. Saying, I'm, oh, I'm gonna prove him wrong. That's really interesting. So my mindset was, just like my mindset was to go out to become a professional athlete, now I was going out to being the man of God, just to prove Troy wrong. <laughs> I'm gonna prove. No, he let me know. He's straight up, and I appreciate him for it. And I told yeah, him, I appreciate yeah. you telling me that, Troy. But I'll never forget it. He pulled me off into one of the side meetings before we went to, our, to, went to the big meeting. He pulled me to the side. He's like, listen, I heard people say this before, D. He said, but, but prove to me that you, no problem, Troy. So after that, for me, it was easy. Listen, yo, my man, don't let nobody up in here. Yo, don't call me. I ain't going out with y'all no more. Like, I, 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 I cut off everything. But I was still in the midst of it. Okay. So now how do I navigate, you know, going to practice every day, right. hanging out with the guys, all of them, and them guys ain't saving locker room. They talking about what they did last night right. with her and him, with this, whatever they talking about, right? <laughs> so you just, you just got, I just got to the place to where, you know what? I made a decision that I'm going to choose this. I'm going to choose this, and I'm going to let my light be what it is. Mm -hmm. D, why you hang out with us no more? Listen, let me tell you, bro. Remember that night we all went to, uh, to church to hear Pops preach, and y'all was laughing at me because they made me sit up in the front? Well, that night Pops said, spoke to my heart. I went home, and I cried out to God, and God changed me. And that's all I was doing at that time. Right At that time, it's just about test testifying the goodness of the Lord, what happened. It wasn't about me teaching them nothing, because I ain't know nothing to teach them anything. <laughs> it was just sharing with them what had happened with me. Mm -hmm. right? And then after a while, you know, players knew, oh, you know what, D don't do that no more. That ain't what he do. How did right? it affect them? Um, you know, it don't really affect them. You know, it, you know when you're in a, a, a community like that, mm -hmm. right, you know, and there's a, there's a, we call it, there's a brotherhood where okay. like they accept so you. Different. Like yeah. when you're in a community like, uh, like that, you know, one of the, I, I, I may allude to it as a downside now, but you know, you have this, you have this elite mindset that, you know what, like, like I'm the elite of the elite. Right. You know, which is the case athletically, right. not, not, not from a humanity standpoint, but athletically, like, you know, I'll never forget, uh, me and OJ was on practice field one day. He was like, D, man, we, we at the highest level. We're at the highest level. Like, we can't get no higher than this of playing this game. Wow. And it's something, like, we are, we are at the highest level, right? So, so you have this elite mindset that creates a bond within those elite that says, you know what, no matter what you go through, I'm, I'm here right. for you. I'm yeah. here for you, you know? So, so that transition and that change, all the guys that I was hanging out with, man, they, they was cool with it. They was good with it. So, you know, when you talk about practically being in the heart, in the midst of it, it's, it's you know, you really got to have a, you got to have a resolve that says, you know, this is what I'm living for now. You know, I thank God for, you know, Troy challenging me. He challenged me. And he said, man, I want to see you live this thing. He challenged me, and me and Troy, when, when I left Miami and came into Buffalo, 
couple of years later, he went to Philly. Then he came here to Buffalo. We connected here. We talked. We Bible. Now I know a little something. Now I can talk Bible right, now, right. right? So we connected here. You know, we're still good friends today. So, but it's it's that 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 has to be the mindset of the church. I'm not. We're in the world. God has placed us right in the heart of it. Yeah. That's why Jesus. No, Jesus even said. He said, "I don't pray that you take them out of the world." John 17. He said, "But you keep them while they're in the world." Like God will keep us, even in the midst of all the chaos and darkness, he'll keep us as we fight for the justice and the judgment that God reveals to us. And this is a fight that God has called us to. This fight for reparations for black America, the most oppressed people in American history, and in some may even world history, but the most oppressed people in American history. We should be fighting for them like never before. We talked about how um, there's some figures and types and shadows in the scripture. Proverbs 31. Most folks, I mean, the Lord showed me this several years ago. That's the church, Proverbs 31. I know we point to it. I, we talk about, we use it for women, and mm -hmm. we talk about it in our women's meeting. You know, men use it to try to, get, try to coerce wives, act like they want that. That's really a picture of the church. <laughs> That's oh, you what know they what we're going to do with that. That's what they yeah. do. They, they, try, they, go, they go, Proverbs, you Proverbs 31, they try to beat them over the head of those yeah. No, that ain't what that by. That ain't what that's for. That ain't what that child's for. It's actually a picture of the functionality and the entrepreneurial drive and the, and the actions that the church should be operating in. It talks about everything from, oh, let's just read it. Let me read, let me read, uh, I wanna read Proverbs 31. I wanna read Proverbs 31, um, verse, I believe it's four, starting at verse four. 31 verse four, it says, um, it's not, it is not for kings, oh Lemuel, that was another name for Solomon, uh, it is not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes strong drink. It says, least, least they drink and forget the law and pervert the judgment of any of the afflicted. Right? So God don't want us to get to the point where we misjudge how to handle the afflicted, those who are afflicted. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right? This is a picture of the church, Proverbs 31. It says, give strong drink unto him that is ready to perish and wine unto those that be of a heavy heart. It says, let him drink and forget his poverty and remember his misery no more. I, I remember, I, I think I was talking, I don't know if I was talking about, to y'all about um, anything that deals with the alcoholism, drugs, people are doing that to try to forget their poverty. Poverty yes. is the root evil. Yeah. Poverty is the root evil. It's, and we pick it up here. It says, let them drink and forget their poverty and remember their misery no more. It says, open thy mouth, speaking to the church, open thy mouth for the dumb, don't let that word dumb offend you. It simply means those who don't know, those who can't speak for themselves, those who don't have the power to speak for themselves. So the idea is not dumb as we think, like they yeah. dummy, they can't communicate. No, it's you don't have the position or the power or the authority to where your voice matters. You're, you're, you're mute. That's one of the things. You're, you're technically, you're mute. In other words, I can't go before, you know, um, the president of the United States and demand reparations by myself. Mm -hmm. I'm, 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 as mute, I'm mute before him. I'm, my, that, that word is, is, is almost like I'm speechless. Yeah. But collectively and united, the body of Christ can go, and then we're not, we're not, we're not mute. It says, it says, speak for the dumb and, the, and his cause and all such that are appointed to destruction. Right. So so there's a scripture, Proverbs, the 10th chapter, the 15th verse that gives us what's the destruction of the poor is their poverty. It says this. It says it says the rich man's wealth is his strong city. That word strong city is like a citadel. It's like it's, it's the high ground. It's protected. And it's, if you get attacked, it's the great it's the, it's the position of power and authority. That's the idea of it. It says, but the poor man's. But the, he says the destruction of the poor is his poverty. The destruction of the poor 
is his poverty. In other words, the greatest expression of poverty is the man's, a man's destruction. Uh, the greatest expression of, of the poor is his poverty. Destruction, destruction expresses the poor's poverty more than anything, right? So when the Bible says, such as are appointed for destruction, it's speaking of poverty. It's speaking of economic oppression. That's what it's bringing out. It says, open thy mouth, judge righteously, and plead the cause of the poor and needy. This is what the church is supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. we, we already talked about um, Psalm, what Psalm is that? Psalm, Psalm 81, 82, that brings out the, the, the functionality of the church. So when we're talking about dealing with this, this immorality of, of slavery, when we're talking about dealing with the repair and the, and the rebuilding of black America, who else should be in the forefront? Who else should be the light? Who else should be the salt? Who else should be the, the mind behind pushing this agenda and fighting for black America other than the church? It's our responsibility. And that's what God has called us to do. And this book is a, is, a, is, a, is a clarion call to awaken the church. Black church, specifically the white church, the white evangelical church. I'm going to go right at the evangelical church, right? We're going to go right at the evangelical because the evangelical church has historically been not just complicit, but an advocate of doing some of the things that's, that's been afflicted to black America. It's time for them to repent and repair so that we can be reconciled. Yep. Just so you can clarify, is, e is evangelical the same as conservative? Evangelicals, evangelicals would claim to be conservative. So there's two different concepts there, right? So evangelicals are, are, are those who, who have a mind to evangelize or present the gospel or live out the mandates of the gospel or live out the moral code of the gospel or live out the principles of the gospel that they find in the word of God. Evangelicals typically would, would, would claim a conservative approach to how we function within American society, right? The only problem with that is when you're talking about being a conservative from America's perspective, what are you talking about conserving? You're talking about conserving the foundational principles and, and processes and structures that were put in place to maintain white dominance. Oh, I would never say that. Oh, I know. I know you wouldn't. But when you say you're conservative, that's what you're saying. Right. So when we're talking about evangelicals and conservatives, you, you, you know, you can be evangelical and not be conservative. Like all believers, there is an evangelical aspect to your life because you're supposed to be preaching your gospel even if you don't say a word your lifestyle shows it but that evangelical organization right will claim conservatism you know will, will, will politically will align themselves with the republican party most of the time and they are responsible for putting the political people in those positions you know, because they're conservatives. Most of them have a Catholic background, like, you know, so, you know, there's a lot associated with the organism or the organization of evangelicalism, uh, but, but it's time that even evangelicals, Pentecostals, Reformationists, all these different denominations that represent the organization of the church, it's time that we unite and come together um, and let the organism be the heartbeat of the organization and, and stand up and fight for what we're supposed to be fighting for, which is reparations now for black America. Until this happens, America will never be 
what God has called it to be. Mm. Do you have any questions before I go into the next segment? Okay. So, of course, we always want to talk about how salvation is a solution to Mm. all aspects of life. So I kind of want to tie in the church and um, our second second segment to Mm -hmm. this. Do you believe that the organization can actually have some good influence when it comes to the personal and societal perils in life at all? Or is it just yeah, purely no, organized? No, okay. No, I think the organization, see, if done, if, if, if properly aligned, see, we need organization. Like we need, we don't need divisions within the organization like we have now with the different denominations. Yeah. But you need to organize the church. See, Paul, part of Paul's ministry was organizing the organism. When he looked at how he put deacons and he put uh, different bishops and people in place, he was organizing the organism. See, that you have to have some organization to how you operate. So it wasn't the about the title or the office. No, it wasn't about Thank that you. at all. Thank no, it wasn't okay. about that at all. No, no, we don't. We don't twist this thing all up, right? Um, but it's, but the organism, the organism needs a needs a structure to flow through, right? It needs organization. So organization is not bad. It's just it's just the organization was taken advantage of by the enemy, right? The devil couldn't beat the church, so he joined the church through the organization. Mm. When he organized and he made he made Catholicism the world religion, mm. it became a political, a political um, tool as well as a structural organizational tool for, for religion. Well, well, the organism was never designed to operate in a religious way. It's to, it's to operate in life and life more abundantly. It was to operate the way Jesus operated. But that don't mean we don't need organizational structure. So when we're talking about the organization of the church being able to do good, it's, it's the, the organism represents the lifeblood. It represents the heartbeat. It represents the mind of God, where the organization is the apparatus whereby the organism can channel the things that its actions through the organization with structure. You know, with simplicity, with efficiency. So that's what the organism organism is is in place for. So you need to have both. But what has happened? You've had the organism supersede the organization. I'm sorry. You had the organization supersede the organism. When the organism should determine and dictate how the organization functions. Now you have the organization determining what aspects of the organism is released into society. Remember, we went through the dark ages. That's because the Catholic folk took all the Bibles out of the organism's hands, and they're going to interpret this. Mm-hmm. Can only only the only the Catholic folk, only priests can interpret scripture, mm-hmm. right? So they took the life from the body, and the world went into what they called the Dark Ages, right? So we came out of that when the Word of God was put back into organism's hands. Now, now the organism is on the rise, but the organization is still what people see first. Mm-hmm. So the organization can do good when it's being driven by the life of the organism. But we get that mixed up. And that therein lies one of the challenges that we have when it comes to our fight for reparations. The organization, which is what everybody sees, stifles the life of the organism. What do you think is the key to shifting the balance of power between the two? Mm. Revolution. Revolution. It's going to take revolution. Break that down. Re- okay. Yeah. Well, well, let, me, let me go back. <laughs> It's t- revolution starts with revelation. Hence the book. Mm-hmm. Revelation. Mm-hmm. We got to pray. And I'm praying now. We, and, and I'm a part of an organization now. It's called the, um, the Coalition of Church for Reparations. We, 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 they have a, a, a prayer meeting every 
first Friday of every month. But we're praying now for the Lord to enlighten the eyes of the understanding of the body of Christ, black church, white church, just the entire body of Christ. It starts with a revelation. Well, once you get a revelation, once you get a true revelation, it's like salvation. It's like your born again experience. That's a revelation. Now, now, now you, everything about your life changes. Now there's a revolution that takes place, right? right? The revolution begins with the psychological change, the emotional change, the, the volitional change, right? You have, a, you have a desire to do different. You have a desire to think different. You got a desire to be different, right? You got a desire to talk different. And so the revelation will then spark that, that, that revolution. When we think revolution, we think fighting against the powers that's oppressing us, right? Like, like sin oppressed us prior to our being born again. I can fight against that thing now. I can come against um, stinking thinking or, or, or poor thinking or thinking the way that, you know, the, we might describe it as, as an unsaved person might think. I can fight now. I got the power to fight. See, revolution speaks of the ability to come against those who oppress and those who, who manipulate and those who defraud. That's what revolution speaks to. Revolution speaks to breaking the norms and thinking outside the box. So when we think revolution, when we think how is it going to, how are we going to shift the power? How are we going to change the paradigm? How are we going to do that? By revelation, which will produce a revolution. Once enough people in the body of Christ, once enough believers read material like this and God enlightens the eyes of the understanding, man, they're going to look and they're going to say, listen, I can't follow that. I can't follow that. That ain't God. That ain't right. Like, like, like you seen it now with all these folks prophesying that Trump was gonna win again, mm -hmm. right? They listen. They uh, uh, one of the one of the prophets says he was losing thousands of followers a day. Folks said, no, no, I can't follow that no more. A shift is taking place, mm -hmm. right? We have to, we have to, we have to stand up for God's justice. I mean, and that's just what it is. And I really believe we're, we're in a dispensation where God is is focused on on establishing justice for black America. That's why we have the uproar that we have. So we'll be effective as an organization. But we first got to have the life of the organism. And we'll begin to see that shift, that change, that transition. When the revelation of the will of God toward a just society it's widespread okay like there's people now like there's people now like that y'all know that i'm connected to that i grew up under that ain't with this mm -hmm. white folk they ain't with it yeah they need a revelation so you, you can't reason with the unreasonable you can't reason with the devil you can't reason with an unreasonable mind you can't you, you can't reason with it yep. they need a revelation so it's to the point now listen i'll just give you the book i ain't gonna go back and forth with you <laughs> I ain't gonna go back and forth with you. I ain't gonna argue with you, man. I ain't gonna waste my time arguing with you. You can't reason with the unreasonable, right? If you read this book and you don't see, yeah. Ah, go ahead on. I go. I'll yeah. see you down the road. I see you down the road. Okay, so we got about five minutes before we have yeah. to close up. So can you just um, real quickly tell us the difference between the uh, personal and the societal perils and the salvation, how right. salvation solutions so, that? So salvation is designed to deal with your personal perils, right? So I associate the perils of life to poverty. So salvation is specifically designed to deal with the perils of poverty. We're talking about the perils of poverty. We're talking about everything from the physical lack to the psychological demoralization of your psychology about life, your emotional state about life. That's why people are stressed out. That's why they're distressed. That's why people commit suicide. That's why they own alcohol. That's why they own drugs, because the poverty, 
Remember, we just read it in Proverbs. If let a man drink till he might forget his poverty. Poverty is the bottom line to why salvation was put in the earth. Adam, Adam was, was the first one to experience spiritual poverty. Him not being able to eat from the tree of life was a picture of spiritual poverty. Well, we know that God has restored our spiritual wealth. Foundationally in Hebrews, the first chapter. Then there's the soul prosperity or the soulless poverty. Our mind, our will, our emotions was all deranged and, and, and flip-flopped and out of control, right? And then there's the physical wealth that God wants us to walk in and wants us to have and wants us, wants us to restore to our life. So salvation was designed to deal with the personal perils of poverty in your life, to heal you spiritually, soullessly, physically, financially, you know, psychologically. It's supposed to bring life to you in that instance. But in, in that instance, in the same time, on the same side, is designed to deal with the social perils that poverty has brought. Mm -hmm. From white supremacy, right on down to the, to the uh, oppressive structures that's been put in place within the society. Salvation is designed to recognize everything from white supremacy to structural racism and say, that ain't right. That, that ain't got, I, I tweeted something the other day that I said the wealth gap between white, black America and white America is ungodly. Mm. It's ungodly. Like, it's ungodly. How do people react to that? You know. <laughs> you know. Some folk liking it. Some folk. This ain't got nothing to do with the gospel. I don't even pay them folk no attention. <laughs> but, like, it's ungodly. Ain't no God in that. Mm -hmm. It's ungodly. The godly thing to do would be to fight to close this wealth gap. Reparations now. It's the only thing that's going to close the wealth gap is reparations. Yeah. And that's got to be our focus. Like, we can't educate our way, our way into closing the wealth gap. Mm. We, can't, we can't job our way into closing the wealth gap. We can't even listen. I heard a statistic the other day by William Darity. The combined annual profits of every black business in America is not even half of the profits of Walmart. Of Walmart, by itself, just Walmart. We can't small business our way back into wow. economic equality. The only thing that God is requiring is reparation. Any other conversation is just rhetoric. I don't care. We just had, I, and I get, I get my dear brother, um, Cory Booker and all, and, and, and this other sister, they're they doing this baby bonds bill thing. I'm, I'm, I'm cool with that. But that ain't no substitute for reparations. Right? So the whole idea of baby bonds, I think every, every newborn baby in America gets $1,000. Right? And they get put in the trust and they can't access it for long. And I, that's okay. Praise God. <laughs> but listen, <laughs> let's not wait. First thing, listen, you give me my reparation, I won't need your baby bond. Right. right. Seriously. But, but again, I'm not knocking what they're doing something. They're doing the work. They put it in. That's great. You know. But if we ain't talking about reparations, mm -hmm. we're wasting time. We're wasting time. You're not serious. That's how I feel. You're not serious about healing and repairing. If evangelicals ain't, ain't talking about reparations, you're not serious. If you're still talking about going and reaching out to the white community or to the black community by taking them cookies and painting their face and all that stuff, you ain't serious. You're just playing games. No, you're playing games. Yeah. I need you to use your voice, use your vote, use your resources to fight for black America to be reparated. I need you to join our coalition of churches. I need you to come together and be with us and stand with us and fight for reparations, period. That's what God's will is right now. That's what it is. And until that happens, man, you just, you just playing games. Just talking.
Any update with the book we should know? Um, we'll have, we should have hard copies. We should have hard copies um, this week, and we should be able to um, get into the hands of some of the people we want to get their um, we want to get their engagement with. We want to get their endorsement of, you know, um, and so that we can then release it publicly with some backbone, you know, because we really believe this is going to be a catalyst. It's not the only work. It's not the only work that my publishers are are um, working on. There's another um, book by, by Brother Michael Moore out of Alabama that's called Muted Voice, and it talks about, you know, the white church by it not saying anything or speaking up mm -hmm. for black America, you know, um, is, 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 is operating in a muted, in a muted voice and we need your voice. Yeah. yeah. Right. We need the voice. You know, I was talking to a friend this weekend. I'm, I'm, you know, the one thing that caused Pharaoh to reparate and release and repair Israel was when his power of extending his kingdom was threatened. Right. Just a mere threat of his kingdom coming to an end. Just a mere threat of the United States government losing its power is what's going to move them. It's going to move them. Right. So that only comes through unity. When the white church and the black church and all the other organizations that are fighting for reparation, when we come together and instead of 45 million black folks strong, you had another 50 million evangelicals to that. And 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 uh, um, Pentecostals to that, and all the other, you know, denominations. You now you talking about going and standing for, you know, the government with a hundred thousand people. I mean, hundred million people. They gonna move. They gonna react. You know. But we need to have we need to have a a a serious conversation about this stuff, man. I mean, listen. I mean, can't worry about people people feelings getting hurt. Hmm. Y'all treated the way it was what it was. God forgive you for that. But there's still a, there's still a, rep a repentance and a repair that got to take place, right. you know. So, the book is going to stir people up, and you know, our prayers that it's going to stir people to the point to where they take action, you know, uh, and they begin to value black life the way God values black life. Okay, mm -hmm. good stuff. So until next time, make sure that you continue to be safe, be warm, yeah. and um, God bless.